This is David Clive Price, and you're so welcome to the Asia Business Network Expert Series. Coming up today, we're going to talk about how to communicate well in Asian business. And we have an awesome guest in the experts chair today. It is Katja Schleicher. Katja, Hello, David. Hi, Katja. Katja is founder and MD of Impact Communication Coaching, a pan-European training bureau specializing in communications coaching, media and public speaking training, and organizational storytelling. She believes that talking is gold and that silence is the beginning of all troubles in every culture. So we're thrilled to have Katja here today. Welcome, Katja. Hello. Hi. So I'd like to start off, if I may, with a big picture question. What are the key aspects, Katja, when it comes to business communication with Asian cultures? Always take a look first from where you come from. Look, you, you come from the British Isles. I am born, I was born in Germany. I'm living in Holland. And both cultures are very, in comparison to the rest of the world, cultures They do one thing after the other and have a certain way of communicating. That is sometimes totally different in Asia. So the, the most important thing I, I think in every culture is step back, read the people, the room, and prepare. And in Asian cultures, the preparation is even more important because in Asian cultures, there is a lot of things that are not expressed verbally. Right. They are expressed non-verbally. And of course, if you do not have words for things or you only have words that express a very specific aspect of a subject you want to touch base on. And if you don't know the circumstances, the backgrounds, the future and the past about all these, it can get tricky. So this is, for me, the basic rule um, that you have to take care and be careful, move with the surroundings than the, the words itself. Now, what helps a lot for us, especially from people from Europe and the Americas, that we are most of the times um, reading a different alphabet when we go to Asia and language doesn't come that easily to us or for us in these countries. That helps a little bit because then we automatically switch to non-verbal mode. We like to see more when we when we talk less and we tend to hear more when we talk less in the beginning. And that helps a lot when you do business in Asia. I think that's a, a very interesting point. I love your expression, uh, reading a different alphabet. Um, that uh, when we go to Asia, we step back, we perhaps remind ourselves to um, read different signs. And if we're too direct, we miss all those signs. Mm -hmm. if we... mm -hmm. And especially when we think about our own background, right? When we get a question in, in any cultural area here in, in, in Europe or in the Americas, now we, we tend to answer it in a pretty fast, in a pretty short amount of time. There is a question, we think, and then we answer back. 
And in some of the Asian cultures, that's different. There, there is a different way of treating questions. Questions are more like an offer. Right. Something I don't have to take necessarily. And that sometimes makes it very hard for us to deal with that. Yes, we're, we're expecting rational um, approaches, aren't we? We're expecting mm -hmm. uh, our logical, uh, like, uh, rational way of approaching questions uh, approaching business to be answered in a straightforward, rational, logical, direct way that we're used to. Yeah. Um, but if you look, if you look from the uh, from the Asian side, of course, the the, the Asian way of uh, having of looking at businesses of, of conducting business is as logic as ours is, but it's a totally different logic, and that is where the cultural differences really, really can clash. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I uh, read a comment the, uh, recently on a blog from a uh, Asian businessman, pointing out that uh, Asians are much uh, a, a smaller minority in uh, in terms of uh, business in the world, and therefore often are expected to uh, behave and and respond in ways that are like the norm for Anglo cultures and European cultures. But in fact, they have their own way of doing things, and it's very difficult to automatically assume all the Western ways of doing things. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Imagine that in the Asian market uh, or in the in, in the Asian world, there is two thirds of the, the world population lives there. Yes. So, in a couple of years' time. The Anglo, the Anglo-Saxon or Anglo-American or even the South American way will be just and, and simply in terms of numbers. Yes, it will reverse itself. This feeling of yeah, being yeah. a minority in the way that doing doing business, the Asian way will be the majority. The majority of buyers, the majority yes. of the majority of markets where business is conducted, where revenue is made, and this is still something um, in many businesses uh, is totally underestimated. That the even if you if you set up an, an industry in somewhere in the in the south of uh, south of Asia or in Japan or wherever, um, we tend we tend to forget that we take our culture there. And if you look at the shop, or let's take a car dealer. That's that's a good example. A car dealer in India or a car dealer in um, in Vietnam still looks the same as this car dealer looks in Britain. And I'm not sure all the time if that is the way uh, people from India would have set up this retail outlet right. in India and they would have decided for themselves. Yes, so we're we're talking about different ways of reading uh, language and communication, and uh, and I think also that another aspect of it is patience, isn't it? That that uh, much of Asia business is personal and based on relationships um, and very personal um, contextual ways of reading people, um, and they're expecting the relationship um, to be. To grow over time, and uh, for you to commit to 
a longer period normally than we would expect in our normal, as we say, decisive, rational, uh, decision-making way, uh, which is the logical Western way of doing business. As you say about context, the, uh, the Asian is reading you in the context of a longer-term possible relationship. That's absolutely true. And absolutely um, true. And expecting the relationship to be built on other questions rather than directly on the business at hand. Questions of mutual trust and obligation and loyalty and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So um what do you see do you see there any particular differences, commonalities and differences in the different Asian cultures? Uh, absolutely. Before I touch base on that, yes. let me let me add uh, something to this this very valid comment you you made um, about about the taking into consideration longer term aspects of businesses. Um, the reason for that is that in the Anglo-Saxon cultures or in the linear cultures as we call them, um, there is an understanding that. The individual itself is the most important nucleus. Right. Let me put it like that. When you go to the south of the world, to Venice, to Middle America, to South America, to the south of Europe, there is the most important nucleus, the family. Yes. And then in Asia, in the Asian cultures, the whole collective yes. is the most important nucleus. Now, naturally, if the, the collective, the whole society, is the most important thing, what it's all about, you have to take into consideration more, more things. Yes. Longer, longer time spans. All that makes already from the beginning all business conducted in Asia a matter of a long-term relation. Yeah. While here in Europe you can say, okay, idea, offer, deal, result, invoice, payment, thank you. <laughs> very, very, very simple, right? Yes. Not a big deal. And then we might, we might be friends or not. And if you're not, that's totally all right. Mm. Right? In, in, in Asia, you, you always, and here still we are talking about the, yeah. the, the whole of Asia, um, you always take into consideration what could probably happen in 10 years' time with that relationship. Now, and that, of course, is for impatient people uh, like the Europeans, like the Americans, is, of course, very hard to deal with. So indeed, what you said, patience, patience, patience. And if you don't do patience, be patient one yeah. more time yeah. and then start doing business. To the, the Asian cultures or the, the commonalities already touched base on, the differences um, in, in Korea, for instance, there is a, a stronger understanding of ambition. Look, if you, if, if you look at companies like Samsung, uh, they never wanted to be the most creative company in the world. They wanted to be the fast, the most, the fastest follower, and then have a turnaround in mass. So this this beautiful execution in Korea comes from a, a great deal of ambition. 
if you look at the motivation uh, a Korean employee in a company has that comes from that end, is it, it is combined with a great deal of national pride. Yes. That is seen very, that comes very much to the front. While in Japan, national pride is more understood as everything heritage. Right. In a country that has been close to the world for not only a couple of, but a couple of hundred years, this is all these the Japanese had as a reference case. That was only them, right? Yes. And that still is to be seen in, in, in very strongly in, in, the, in the Japanese culture. So all these reads, all these um, traditions, all these the guidances to follow, the, 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 the rules, the, especially the unwritten rules, they play an important part in the Japanese business culture. So things have to be done according to these reads, rituals, traditions. Um, like, it's like the tea ceremony, right? I think conducting business in Japan is like a tea ceremony. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's it, there is a there is an order you have to follow, and that has to do with hierarchical things and especially this respect, 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 respect. Yes. And, and respect has nothing to do with giving somebody a clap on the shoulder and say, "Wow, you did a great job." Yeah. This is seen as respectless, and I'm talking here from out the mindset. I'm not talking about what to do uh, in terms of how to give your business card and yeah. all that. I think this is this is detail you you learn in a lot of courses. But if you speak in doing business in these cultures from uh, the mindset, uh, a couple of other things come uh, come to the forefront of the discussion. In in uh, in Southeast uh, East Asia, for instance, let's talk Thailand. Everything is much more playful. When business is conducted, yes. in in the modern world we call it gamification. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want your employees to do something for you, now yeah. put it in a game helps a lot. And in in Vietnam, look in terms of his history, we do have we do have of course uh, the terrible setback of more than twenty five years of uh, the uh, the Vietnam War. Yes. which right now Vietnam overcomes better and better uh, the, 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 the wounds of that, and especially the economically, and is starting to, to look at itself as a very, very creative and a very, very strong business nation. But that takes time. Yes. So Vietnam, for me, is at the moment uh, the, the most interesting Asian culture to watch because here we are, we, we can still accompany a nation on its rise and see how culture comes back. Because for the last 30 years, the culture was there, but yeah. it was not transferred into any business aspect. Yes, yeah, so each of the Asian nations really is on its own national journey. Some of these journeys have only begun in the last 50, 40, 30 years. Um, and they are very much part of the culture.
but it's something that you must take into account when you have dealings with the Vietnamese or the or the uh, Koreans um, or the Malaysians indeed or the Singaporeans all young nations in in a sense from from recent uh, from recent starting points or renewal points and their cultures are enormously important um, when you as you say Katya read them which is going to take time as we said earlier patience um, readiness to build the necessary relationships and not come straight in cut and thrust with your um, your Western timetable and schedule and agenda. So ha what are the biggest pitfalls, do you think, for other cultures in doing business with Asian cultures? There's one rule that helps a lot, and this is worldwide the same, that preparation is 90% of the success. And in, in doing business with Asia, I think it's nearly 100%. Yeah. And when preparing, and I said reading an audience uh, that has a higher, even a higher importance here, um, reading an audience or preparing, for instance, if you ask your, your Japanese or your Asian business partners, in, in the briefing document, you, 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 you ask them to send over to you, not only ask about positions, but ask about networks. Who is related to whom? This is something we hardly ever do. We know, okay, this guy is responsible for the finances in this company. Now fine, so he's the finance guy and he might sit somewhere. And that's it for us. Uh, when you go to Asia, where uh, especially when you look at the uh, the company structures in, in, in Japan, for instance, where at the center of all the um, the big family conglomerates stands a bank that bank finances all the different aspects, like like a, a spider in the middle of a net. <laughs> right, Mitsubishi Bank is 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 the find the bank for Mitsubishi Motors and one, two, three, four, five, ten different business activities the whole Mitsubishi family conducts. So, and how are the people you are going to meet wherever you go to Asia are connected to each other and not only to each other, but within their industry and within their country. Yes. So ask for... Um, what does that person do as a non-business activity? Yeah. So here in, in, in Europe or in the Americas, we end when it comes down to playing golf. That's probably be something something we can relate to. So, oh, yeah, yeah, he's playing golf with my dad. Oh, now fine. But I would, in preparation to do business in Asia, I would absolutely extend that kind of research. The more you know about the this the structure, the web, the net yes. that is spun, the better you are prepared. That's number one. When you are there, and again reading, there is, and that makes Asia easy in comparison to Europe and uh, the Americas and Africa as well. Um, there is a clear hierarchical order in which everything happens. And the more you familiarize yourself with that order, and 
this is of course a national thing, but this is as well a thing in your in, in the industry you're working in, or in the kind of kind of company you're working in. I don't know. Wood industry is probably different from um, I don't know something microscopic nanotechnology. Yeah, let's take nanotechnology. So that's that's different there too. So the more you know about the regularities, about rules that are set, the more you can prepare your agenda for these rules. And that, I think, is helping. What we tend to do, uh, and when I'm saying we, again, I mean uh, the, the Europeans and the, uh, the Americas, we prepare for anticipated results. Yes. A price. Uh, a product, I don't know. And the totally cut out uh, the aspect of what kind of relationship do I want to have with that person, that company, when business is conducted. And the more we start thinking about that, what else could we do with them? What else could we gain in staying in a longer-term uh, longer contact with them? The more we do that, the easier it becomes to prepare properly. Because, you know, our strength is results and profits and all that. Don't be a good at that anyway. But the more we focus on the things we are not that good at, the easier business, conducting business in Asia will become. Yes. And the Chinese have the word guangxi, of course, for relationships and networks. Joining the networks, as you say, Katya, is absolutely vital um, to prepare properly to think in terms of joining those networks and not simply in terms of immediate results. Well, Katya, this has been a really great conversation and I really appreciate the time you've taken to do this. Um, just before I let you go, I have one final question. When can business communication with Asians be judged successful in your view? When everybody is happy. <laughs> and when everybody on the Asian side is expressing, and here I really mean expressing verbally, respect yeah. for what you've achieved together, then business is conducted successfully. The, a contract or a, a produced product or a service conducted is just the beginning in doing business with Asians. The contract is just the beginning. Yes. Respect yes. for yes. all that you can achieve together. I'm sure that's a really important point that listeners will want to think about and prepare for themselves. So that's it for today. I'd like to thank Katya for being my guest. Thank you, Katya. You're welcome. It was great to have you. And if you'd like to know more, please visit Katya's website at www.interview-training.eu. Interview-training.eu, which is also there at the links below. And listen in to more news and views on doing business in Asia at Asia Business Network Expert Series, to which you can also subscribe on iTunes. So, until the next time, happy listening.